morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Michael Telercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. I'm glad you're able to join us today. It's day 465. We've been making our way through the Bible uh, steadily, and we're making our way through the book of 1 Kings as well. We're in chapter 12 today. This is uh, following on to yesterday's passage. Pastor Jason took us through Solomon's uh, fall we might say, or his uh, folly coming out, whereas he had been uh, really just honored, blessed by the Lord. He began to fall and his kingdom began to go downhill. Today we're looking at chapter 12, where it not only goes downhill a bit, it actually becomes divided. Uh, so it's, a, it's not a very happy chapter of Scripture uh, but the Lord is still at work, and we need Him. We need that same Lord who was at work even in the midst of the brokenness of 1 Kings 12. We need Him to work in the midst of our lives and the brokenness that we experience even today. So let's pray to Him and ask for His help as we open His Word. Father, thank you that you have given us opportunity to see your Word uh, and to see how powerful it is that it can clearly uh, show us consequences uh, that you have uh, given uh, people uh, warnings, Lord, and in the process of them having heard from you uh, and rejected or neglected your warnings, you also show us in your word how you mete out consequences. And it is good for us to hear of that this morning, Lord. And uh, we pray as we do that you would enable us to look deep into this passage and see uh, your mercy and your grace to us, even as you give consequences, Lord. We pray that we would see Jesus uh, in whatever uh, capacity you have uh, want, wanted us as your people to see him in 1 Kings 12. We pray this for his glory, for our hope, really, in him, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at chapter 12 of 1 Kings. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. And King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was still while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. 
And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then, Rehob then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors, to fight against the house of Israel, to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man returned to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again according to the word of the Lord. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me in return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, you have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Then this thing became a sin, for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples on high places, and appointed priests from among the people, from among all the people who are not of the Levites. And Jeroboam appointed a feast on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he had made. He went up to the altar that he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel, and went up to the altar to make offerings.
This is a major turning point in the history of God's people. The kingdom of Israel is being divided. It's actually a really terrible thing. And it comes about as a result of God's word to David a couple of chapters earlier in scripture, a, a couple generations earlier, where God had told David that as a result of his sin with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, that the sword would never depart from his family. And here we see the sword dividing, dividing down past Solomon's era into the generation of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And division comes between the northern tribe of Israel called Israel, which is the 10 northern tribes, and the two southern tribes called the southern kingdom or Judah, which is Judah and as we kind of get a reference to toward the end of today's chapter, also Benjamin. So Judah and Benjamin and the 10 tribes of Israel being in the north. This is a bad thing because the sword is continuing to divide God's people. And it's because of sin, it's because of rebellion, and, and the continuation of that sin and that rebellion in today's chapter with, with Rehoboam, and Rehoboam being a fool. Because if you recall, Solomon had enlisted the people of Israel to build the temple and also to build his place of residence. And so the people had been working hard under Solomon, and here, as Rehoboam comes to take the throne, Jeroboam, this guy that we were told about in chapter 11, whom a man named Ahijah, who was a prophet of the Lord, had anointed uh, to be king over the northern tribes of Israel because God had had a plan for the sword that he said was going to come through David's line, David's family. He had a plan to bring that sword about at this point. Just two generations after David, the sword is not only dividing the family of David because of his sin, but now the family of David beyond just his immediate family, the whole kingdom. And God had said that Jeroboam would be the king over, Jude, uh, over Israel and Rehoboam would be king over Judah. And here it's happening, but it happens as a result of Rehoboam's folly. Because as we said, Jeroboam... And the people of Israel come to Rehoboam to say, hey, are you going to lighten the load that your father Solomon had on us, working hard to build the temple, working hard to build his residence? Are you going to lighten that? And Rehoboam had the opportunity to take counsel from the people that Solomon, the wisest man, uh, lived in the company of, who, who stood in his presence and learned from his wisdom and learned how to be wise themselves. That fire alarm, if you can hear it going on in my house, is appropriately timed because this is a big moment. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, could take the counsel of the people that Solomon was in the presence of and giving his wisdom to, or he could take the counsel of his old friends. And as the fire alarm indicated, danger. There was danger. It was danger in taking the counsel of his friends, which he took. And he said that he was content to make the yoke of the people of Israel even heavier than it seemed to be in the days of Solomon. He was content to discipline the people with scorpions. Yikes. We get in the second section there in the middle of today's passage. Rehoboam, after Jeroboam leads the people of Israel astray and they follow after him, the 10 northern tribes, just as God said, and just as Ahijah said would happen in his prophecy to Jeroboam, 
Rehoboam doesn't like it and he wants to try to get back possession of those 10 tribes. And so he tries to take up the sword, as it were, uh, to, to gather people together, his people of Judah, his soldiers. And God says, no, I've given, I have given Jeroboam charge over the 10 tribes. And uh, in this last section here in today's passage, Jeroboam recognizes what's about to happen in Israel because the temple is in the southern portion where Judah is. And he doesn't want God's people going to Judah to worship the Lord in the temple where they're supposed to because then he thinks that their hearts are going to turn back to Rehoboam and that they'll be faithful to Rehoboam again as, as king over Israel. And so he tries to make for himself, uh, he tries to secure his kingdom for this kingdom for himself against what God said, which was in chapter 11. If you will do listen to all that I command you and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and commandments as David, my servant did, I will be with you, Jeroboam, and will build you a sure house as I built for David. And I will give Israel to you in a, in a more long lasting permanent sort of way. But Jeroboam tries to secure the kingdom for himself against God's wishes and actually completely rejects God altogether in the process and builds these two fake gods, these two calves, and sets them up in the northernmost part of Israel, this city of Dan, and down in the south of that territory of Israel, Bethel, so that the people can go to worship these gods instead, these completely false gods that are totally in the vein of the, the false god that Aaron set up back in the book of Exodus for the people to worship. Outright idolatry. And that's what Jeroboam does here. And in fact, as we read through the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings as well, we're going to get reference back to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused the people of Israel to sin, grievous sin, by worshiping false gods. Anytime a, a king after this causes the people of Israel to worship a false god, it's, there's going to be reference made of Jeroboam, who begins that process right now by setting up these false gods in these places where they ought not to be set up. There's one temple, one place for God's people to worship the one true God, and that's in Jerusalem. That's in the territory of Judah. So my question for you is, which Boam would you rather have as king over you? Rehoboam, who made the yoke of God's people heavy and basically enslaved them? Or, or Jeroboam, who enslaved the people in a different way by causing them or influencing them in very clear ways to worship false gods and reject Yahweh altogether? Well, if you're like me, you are rejoicing right now that you don't have to choose between Rehoboam or Jeroboam. You get the true king as an option to worship. You get Jesus. You get him as the true king to submit to. One who, far from making the people's yoke heavy, would make their yoke light. Far from disciplining them with scorpions, he would actually say this in Luke chapter 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says to them, If you then who are 
evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, Jesus doesn't give us a scorpion when we ask for a good gift. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the the one who will come into our hearts as the guarantee of Jesus' salvation and kingship over us and of him making our burden light by taking on the burden himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. And far from bringing the sword to bear on us, he actually takes a sword himself. He takes a sword in the side upon his death on the cross and is pierced for us in his death, pierced for the transgression of his people. And he is the dividing line between true worshipers of God and worshipers of self, worshipers of false deities like Jeroboam. He is the one who eases our burden like Rehoboam should have done, and he is the one who keeps us clear of false worship like Jeroboam should have done. He is the one who does both of those things at once. We have God in the flesh in Jesus Christ, the true King. Let's worship him now in prayer and ask that he'd help us worship him and how we live our lives into the future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We pray we would have his resurrection confidence welling up in us today, Lord, that we would be confident in Him, the resurrected one, the King, who has eased our burden by going to the cross for us to pay for our sins. We pray we would bring any burdens that we have to Him, whether it be burden from our sin or burden from the sin of others in our lives that are making our lives difficult because of their sin, Whatever it may be, whether it, whether it be that burden or, or merely the, the burdens that we face as we try to serve people, Lord, we pray, Father, we would bring those burdens to this true King Jesus and experience his resurrection power. We pray also that we would go to this true Jesus, this true King, knowing who he is, knowing our need of him, not looking past him to trying to secure our own lives and our own uh, way, Lord, like like we read of today, Lord, but that we would lay our lives down, that we would submit to him, that we wouldn't just go to him for what he can do for us, but that we would go to him as the true Lord who owns our lives, Lord, and tells us what is good, tells us what is right, tells us what we ought to do as his servants, Lord. We pray we would go to him with gladness, knowing that he has conquered the grave, and so we can trust that he has the best in store for us, we go to you, O oh Father, asking for good in Christ. And we know that you have given us what is good by giving us your Holy Spirit who enables us to follow him and to rest in him. We pray we would do that today. And in that, bring your gospel to the world for Jesus' glory, for the good of lost people like we used to be. Thank you, Lord, that you hold us together in Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm glad you were able to join us today as we looked at this weighty passage, this turning point in 1 Kings, and that there would be a turning point in your heart today as you worship the Lord afresh. God bless you as you go do that.